the button, please, sir. Well, thank you. Good afternoon. And welcome to South Pot Tales from the Barstool, co-founded by What's-His-Face over here with a gorgeous beard and his mouth. What's-His-Face and his microphone blindly. That is talent, people. So, first off, let me welcome you. So, second of all, go to StreamYard.com forward slash Facebook and give them permission for us to use their use your name. Otherwise, I'm just going to call you Snuffle Britches tonight. Why? Because I can't. It's my fucking show. I love y'all so much, though. Our fucking Hello show. Hello there. Yeah. Um, so I'm the hot, smart, and funny one, Cat, and next to me is Southpaw. Say hello, oh, Southpaw. I should wave with my Southpaw, right? <laughs> <laughs> hello. So, as if you were an avid watcher, you know that I was out last week because I had bronchitis, a little residual cough, but I'm alive. Yay! You lived After to- After lots and lots of medication. Live to bust there. JD's balls another day. So here I am, alive and well. So... Tonight, we are going to be meeting with a wonderful man named Eric Ranks. He actually made this 22 Salute vodka that we had in the show previously. We are both going to be making our own separate drinks tonight with this said vodka. Mine is not going to hide it. I am making a straight-up martini. Dad, what you drinking? I'm drinking the uh, Kentucky Russian. It's kind of like a white Russian, but instead of the uh, Kahlua, uh, using a bourbon cream made by Buffalo Trace. It tastes exactly like uh, after you eat all the ice cream out of a root beer float and all that's left is the root beer. Yeah, man. It tastes just like that. You can't taste the alcohol. Uh, it kind of helps that 22 Salute is uh, filtered 22 times, uh, representing the 22 lost uh, 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 veterans to mental health issues daily. So, Absolutely. Uh, FYI, we're not sponsored by these guys. I just absolutely fucking love their product. Um, I'm not a vodka drinker, and I'm fucking hooked. So thank you, thank you, thank you, Eric. I am a vodka drinker, so thank you, Eric. <laughs> so um, if you like our podcast, please uh, go to any platform. We're on YouTube, um, uh, Streamyard, whatever. What a what all your ones? favorite podcasting yeah, all your platforms. favorite podcasting platforms. Go ahead and like and share, and uh, finger blast those like buttons and tongue blast those share buttons and all of that fancy stuff. Um, so our drink tonight, uh, did you, you mixed it last week, didn't you? Yeah. So does everyone, is everyone good? Does everyone know how to make JD's drink? Yeah, yeah. We're just going to go. Okay. We're just moving forward. Super. I'm going to make a martini the way I like it. Um, I usually only drink martinis on the days I have bad days at work. Uh, I work in the medical field. Some days you lose a patient and it's not a good day. Uh, today was not that day. Today was a good day. So today is a celebratory martini. Man, I wish I had ice cube vodka, on, on. Vodka martini. Queued up. Today was a good day. Keep Jen the F a fuck away from me. So I like mine filthy. Slap your mother. Slap your whore mother in the mouth dirty. Um, and, <laughs> and then I like to uh, take a little vermouth and just whisper vermouth to it. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> just, just enough like, to add a little pink. Yeah, I like, I like Everybody likes a little, little pink in their a, life. Is it pink? I mean, if it's not, you have your shit checked out. <laughs> I meant the... Ew. Okay, that's nasty. Okay, I was talking about your vermouth. You should have your vermouth no, checked no, if it's not pink. No, it's going to be nasty. Uh, sure you're not sure. <laughs> so, uh, Nick Ron uh, Beautiful. is oh, here. He's is been a- on the show several times before. He's going to be on the show again. Um, thank you for tuning in, brother. I see your comments there, and uh, you are very, very welcome. And this is a martini Rita, okay? I know that I'm using a margarita glass. I don't have a martini glass. I'm a martini drinker who doesn't own martini glasses. 
Okay, my life makes me sad too. You can't find them in the liquor stores. It's fucking weird. You can find every other kind of glassware except for fucking martini glass. I'm going to have to check Goodwill. So first, let's taste it, and then let's get into our sponsors. While she's tasting that, uh, Mark with a K has uh, tuned in. Thank you, Mark. Good to see you. Uh, Mark, I know that you're uh, pushing your newest product, your 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 uh, Heartscape book. Put your com- uh, uh, put your link in the comments real quick while we're doing this. And uh, no, absolutely fuck not. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> so... You look okay. I have I love martinis, but you can't hide the vodka behind it. So the vodka has to be good. This is good. This is real good. So that is delicious. Do you want me to go ahead and start? Yeah. Uh, right before we bring Eric on, let's uh, do like we do every week and thank our sponsors and give them uh, what they pay for. Yeah. <laughs> because it's pretty much the only time that we're professional-ish during this shit show. Legitimately, the only time. So let's start with our oldest, greatest, latest. Sponsor, 5 by 5 Brewing Company, Battleborn, Texas-made, veteran brewing company based in Mission, Texas. Co-founded by Army vet George Rice with beers like the 40-millimeter Stout, Burnett Bombshell, and Fubar. It's no surprise this brewery is taking over the Texas market from the Valley to the Panhandle. Ask your local bar, restaurant, and grocer to start carrying 5 by 5 Brewing Company today. You can get their information at 5x5brewing.com, facebook.com forward slash 5x5brewing. You can call them at 956-445-5421, or you can email them at info at 5x5brewing.com. Also, I would look on their website. They have lots of events coming up over the summer, lots of live events. It's going to be a blast. Lots of seasonals. We're going to have to take a trip down there and get a pony keg anyway, so we're just going to have to make a trip and do one of the shows. More than one. At least one. Next, we have OMOG Construction with Marines Vet, Seth Knox, and Matt Anders, general contractor servicing the greater Houston, Texas area with a focus on concrete. No job too big or too small from residential to commercial and industrial foundations and pads. OMOG Construction has you covered. You can get their information at omogco.com, facebook.com forward slash omogco, or Instagram, omogco. Amoco. Amoco. That stands for one Mexican, one Weto. And but if, it was for white person. Yeah. Everyone knows. We all know. We all know. Our next sponsor is a Quick Start Mortgage Group, powered by U Mortgage, founded by uh, Nathan Einkorn. You can reach him at N Einkorn. That's N E I N K O R N. U Mortgage.com. Give him a call at 720 980 9988. Facebook is at Quick Start Mortgage Group, and Instagram is Colorado Mortgage Broker. It's the convenience of an online lender only with better rates and a dedicated staff of highly trained mortgage brokers to make sure your mortgage process goes smoothly. They are also extremely versed in. VA home lending uh, practices. So if you have any questions, reach out to those guys. They're going to get you hooked up for goddamn sure because that's what they do. Uh, and uh, finally, toot, toot. yeah, this is right to my horn. Uh, our last sponsor for drunk. tonight I, I haven't drank enough. <laughs> <laughs> is uh, my favorite business magazine, uh, Shift Advanced Life Design, uh, founded by Air Force veteran Robert Garcia. I've been featured in it three times. Um, <laughs> And in fact, uh, the entire staff is Air Force, either active duty, veteran, reserve, guard. Um, I think retired to, I don't know. But uh, like me as a, a featured toot toot. person, uh, also Air Force, but I've been featured in there three times. There it is again. <laughs> I had to say it. I had to say it. Um, but Shift has all kinds of great business advice, interviews, and more. Um, I've been featured three times. <laughs> 
Okay. Drink. I'm done. Everyone, we're turning into a drinking game. You drink. You drink. Drink three times. It's a drinking game from here on out. Um, Yeah, every episode in the future. Oh, yeah. Oh, so just a good way to pregame. Um, Pre but yeah, that's our sponsors for the night. Uh, thank you all for sponsoring this. Uh, Last but not least, we're going to talk about our editing editing and distribution. I'm going to get words. this. Oh, my gosh. Words. You passed it on. You should have heard this guy. He was <laughs> before the show started. He turns it on as soon as the camera's on. And I'm like off fumbles. So that is brought to you by Knucklehead Media Group with Marine veteran Steve Stephen Cologne, I was going to call him Steve, covering all of your podcasting and media needs from audio and video editing to strategy planning to global online distribution. This professional team of experts takes your idea and makes it a reality while providing the knowledge and experience to help you grow your audience and reach. You get their information at knucklehead.agency and on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, look up knuckleheadmg. All right. And so that is it. Um, real quick. That's uh, it, Mark wanted to know how many times I've been featured in Shift. Uh, three times. Drink. <laughs> and look, look. So you know I'm not bullshitting. Look at the screen. Mark asked. I was just obliging. So cat, cat oh wait, Mark asked. Cat got a jar of pickled frog balls over there. <laughs> <laughs> Your olives. Oh, tell her, tell her I what an olive is. Oh no, my grandmother used to tell me that this is an old lady's cherry green with envy. Forever, my olive joke. Now. So with that, let's go ahead and welcome our special guest for the night, CEO of the Twenty Two Salute Vodka, Eric Ranks. Welcome, welcome, Eric. Yeah, thank you for having me on the show. Oh, well, thank you for putting up with our bullshit. And for the bottle of, of booze, that always helps get you on the show. <laughs> yes, booze always helps. Booze helps everything. Especially if they're good booze. Kids problems, marriage problems, booze. Booze fixes everything. Just rub some alcohol in it and it cleans it right up. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Like hand sanitizer. Yeah, like my soul <laughs> is broken, so I just rub alcohol <laughs> on my insides. Aww, but you've been featured in shift three times. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, your soul be broken. That doesn't even make sense. <laughs> Robert's trying to take him back up. I'm drinking, people. I'm drinking. So Rob Garcia, he's going to go back and edit me out of every one of the previous. <laughs> he's like, fuck that guy. Oh, my so, God. So um, I really want to get just in the conversation and going. So before we do that, we forget all about it um as everybody that's seen this uh show before knows we're not here to get sold somebody's latest wear we're learn uh, we're here to learn who they are off the clock behind the scenes and uh, under, and the, under influence. the influence yeah. so, um but we do give everybody their their due diligence and and give them three minutes at the very beginning of each episode to, to uh tell them uh to tell the audience about what they want to tell them about Let's just keep it simple. So uh, go plug, ahead and your three minutes. Plug your shit. Now. Be shameless for the next three minutes. Awesome. For the next three months. Or <laughs> three <laughs> not minutes. months. Not months. Three minutes. minutes. <laughs> uh, you, you, it's that three uh, features in Shift Magazine that's got me thrown off. <laughs> oh, damn it. I got a drink. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I'm CEO of 22 Salute Spirits and Coffee. Uh, it was a brand that was created as a social enterprise to fund the Veterans Connection was is a five hundred one three. Can't even talk tonight. Five hundred one three. Everybody's got the yips. Five hundred one nonprofit organization I founded in twenty twelve um, to focus on veteran mental health and suicide prevention. And unfortunately, 
when the economy changes, goes up and down, uh, donations kind of follow that as a trail. So 22 Salute was created as a way to self-fund that. Um, and I'm also a uh, published author. Uh, I co-wrote a book, Balanced Success with Eric Ranks, which talks about uh, my, my life, health and mental health issues that I've struggled my whole life, which led me down the road to starting a nonprofit. Um, and so, yeah, there's, there's, my life is pretty fascinating with all the facets and we won't jump into all that, but, uh, yeah, if you check out 22salute.com, uh, social media is 22salutebevco for beverage company, um, theveteransconnection.org. Uh, and you can also find out about my book at ericranks.com. Man, you're way more professional and articulate than we are. <laughs> I don't know. All of our guests you are. You don't belong on this fucking show. No, uh, so if, if I read this correctly, mesquite smoked coffee beans. Coffee. Is, is that correct? It is. Okay. I know where you get your coffee from. I'm sure you do. <laughs> <laughs> it's sounding real familiar to us. So if it's who we think we are, we oh, already know that we're in love with it. So absolutely, it's like it's our crack. It's yeah. legal crack to us. I didn't so. know that that's where you got your coffee from. But since I do, order your fucking coffee from this guy right here because you're not going to regret it. Yep, that's where we we. It's wonderful Honduras coffee. <laughs> yep, that, uh, is smoked with Texas mesquite wood. So yeah, it's it's premium coffee so there's there's different levels of coffee we're not gonna like you said go into a pitch but uh -huh. most coffee is not considered specialty coffee which has a a score of like 80 or above on coffee quality and uh you know his is between that he makes is between 83 and 87 kind of in that range so it is yeah. the premier premier coffee beans for quality it is and i mean for the price and I like. I'm sorry. I hate to plug him. He's been on the show. I don't care. I, I God country and coffee. Was, uh, there was a uh, five or six Texas veteran entrepreneurs, including myself, that went and uh, helped him build his uh, uh, roasting house. And uh, he can we just talk about it? Yeah, that was that was why. And yeah. it was it was right between two of my times I was featured on Shift Advanced Life Design Magazine with Robert Garcia. <laughs> have we told have we told y'all this story of my husband trying to kill my parents with coffee? Oh <laughs> my god. Yeah. So <laughs> let me so, tell, let me tell <laughs> it. So my parents do not drink full leaded coffee. They drink half leaded max. Half leaded max usually decaf coffee. So they came to visit us and we had, and I'm going to say it, we had third day coffee here, of course, like we have a freezer full like usual. And we have regular, we have fully like ultra leaded, but it's like the the full, the what is that? Calf. The half calf, it's the high, high calf. calf. And we did have a half calf. So the high calf and the half calf were right next to each other in the freezer. JD pulls out the half calf to for my parents, makes a pot of it. My parents take a sip of them and they're like, oh, and I was like, what? They're like, I don't I know. I misread the bag and I gave I them know. a high this calf. Is really strong. High calf yeah. Thankfully, they only took a couple of sips before they stopped drinking it. But like you, he probably almost, I think he tried to kill my parents with, <laughs> with high calf coffee when they only drink decaf. And I was like, I mean, oh, shit. Kill is such a strong word. Expire. Um, you know, Bring we, it into the the land of the unliving. <laughs> we, uh, yeah, I remember when you guys did that. You know, that was that was one of the that was the first, probably the first and only half mission 
that actually happened. Was yeah, yeah. He went and did it. That was probably the first and only one. Like the goal was to keep doing half missions, and then it right. just kind of all fizzled out. And that one, it just happened so organically. It was just a bunch of us that had, we were kind of in the same spots in business within. All in Texas, which helped. And and yeah, all of us, and, and in one way or another, every one of us still supports each other to one degree or another, which is awesome. Yeah, man. You know, yeah, like, I was super excited to get hats, and then you're like, "Oh, COVID destroyed me." Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's what was but, devastating. Yes. But I am making hats again. If yeah, you're he interested. is making I hats. I didn't know again. that. I didn't know you were making. I hats. just as a side hustle. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, as a definitely not. Job, it'll so. never be full time again. So the unless... lead time is a little bit longer now, but hey, but hey, Southpaw's back in business. Yeah, we got to do some a cool uh, twenty-two salute one. <laughs> we'll make it fucking happen. Heck yes. So, um, I was misinformed or misunderstood. I thought you were a dependa, but you're actually, um, you weren't in the he, military. He thought your wife was in yeah, the military thought, and thought you were a dependa, like living off your wife's veteran income. <laughs> no. So, but, uh, um, go ahead and tell your story about how you got kind of into the military into this and you're not military or, or haven't ever been military yourself. Yeah. So great. So. I grew up as uh, an Air Force dependent. Um, so my dad served, uh, well, he served in the Army during Vietnam and then transferred to Air Force. So I grew up on military bases in the military community, you know, my whole life. And my dad was a clinical neurological psychologist. So uh, veteran mental health was a big piece of, you know, me growing up and what he focused on in his career. And, um, you know, I kind of alluded to, I personally have had many health struggles, uh, both physical and mental. Um, in fact, there was points in my life that I was personally suicidal. And, um, you know, how I kind of got into this, this veteran work is in 2012, I had friends, a uh, combination of friends. So before 2012, I had an older friend that served um, in uh, Vietnam as well. And he had Asian orange issues that his legs would constantly split open and all that and have to have surgeries. And, oh back, my in, God. Yeah, and back in 2012, the VA still did not cover uh, Agent Orange claims. Oh, two years. And then I had other friends who came back in, from Iraq and Afghanistan with super bad PTSD issues. And between watching all of that and growing up where mental health was a big thing and dealing with my own, like I will never say I understand what a veteran or first responder, we serve both in the nonprofit, what they go through on their PTSD side, but I understand physical and mental pain with things I've gone through. Oh yeah. So a combination of seeing what they were dealing with and not getting help. And when I understood, yeah, I left corporate America and co-founded a nonprofit and, uh, you know, done it very well for the last 10 years. And, uh, then I just got burned out of fundraising and the, the donations going up and down. And, uh, you know, JD and I are part of a couple of communities like the Vetrepreneur Tribe. Uh, we also met through like the Warrior Council, things like that. And I had some people in the, in the Warrior Council that are like, hey, you thought about coffee? Hey, have you thought about alcohol? And so <laughs> that's kind of what led me to the 22 Salute journey. So it, it's kind of refreshing that you bring up ptsd from a non 
military non-veteran point of view well the um, whole first responder thing like my dad was a firefighter and paramedic for years and at the time it was like yeah we heard stories but they were more yeah. you know comical ones and everything it wasn't until after he retired that we really heard a lot of the nitty-gritty he kept so, it very compartmentalized I until just, he was retired and then after that point he finally let his guard down some yeah and it, it's refreshing to hear those stories it's terrifying and i'm glad i didn't know at the time because we would have been nervous wrecks but i can't imagine going through a fraction of what he goes through like i work in a hospital that's a way more controlled environment during covid like nurses and doctors there there's mental health issues and what they had to face with people dying from covid and stuff on a constant basis like that's another community that got really stretched over the last several years. That is very true. I worked, uh, well, I went NICU fully, but I was working the front lines with COVID patients for the first eight months when it really spiked here. And it would make me mad when I would come home and JD would be like, it's a hoax. And I was like, I am elbow deep in people dying around me every day. Don't ever fucking call it a hoax to my face. Like I literally had a breakdown in front of JD and his family. Like I literally had a fucking breakdown. After that, I got moved over to the NICU side where I treated, you know, micropremia babies and I was left there and I didn't have to go back to the COVID side. And it was the best thing that's ever happened to me because it was, it was, it wore on me so, so bad. The other thing about COVID that I appreciate um, is I think it helps society in general understand mental health more yeah people were isolated people were dealing with their own things like it's a society most people if they weren't dealing with it or knew somebody close to it they, it just they didn't care oh. yeah we yeah. can probably do seven episodes on the psychological side effects of of covid and, and quarantine, and quarantining yes. because i mean if you think about it like the deep-seated stuff especially with like the younger generations that are, um, they're when, to deal with things well like not only that but when when the brain is still developing um certain parts especially when when you're at our oldest son's age who's at that point where he's um where he's finding his own identity he's hanging out with different friends here and they're not like good friends bad friends just He's he's testing the waters in different ways because like we all did at that age, because you got to find out who you are. So yeah. then you have at the height of covid, these 14 to 17 year olds that lost that opportunity. At that pivotal moment in their life to really find their their true identity and in. Well, actually, and it's been proven like I work in a children's hospital now and they talk about it all the time, how there's a psychological delay now with toddlers and young children because they couldn't see the people's emotion on their face so they didn't know how to react like appropriately so it's almost like borderline autism because they're trying to figure out how to cognitively process people's facial expressions now and it's so sad it's like seriously that's a thing yeah, like our like our son, he was the the handwriting yeah, because yeah. they couldn't handwrite on the board because they weren't at school. So they weren't writing for the first for kinder and first grade because everything was, was on a mouse homeschooled. Everything was on the computer. So their handwriting is atrocious and their you spelling can't talk, is atrocious. Though. So you can't talk about handwriting and I can't talk about spelling. I'm not talking about handwriting. It's COVID. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Being a psychologist, uh, it still falls in that doctor category. 
and his handwriting was chicken scratch, and I adopted that whole thing. I'd like, <laughs> I'd like, I'd like uh, turning papers that my dad wrote. Like, I'd have to have him sign something in school because I did something wrong or something. Yeah. And no one would believe he signed it. I like, know that was you. That was you. But yeah, my writing is so chicken scratch. <laughs> oh yeah. But another thing about the PTSD, though, that that. Um, because I'm a veteran, everybody just assumes whenever I talk about my PTSD that it was related to veteran uh, issues, military issues. Yeah. Um, and to a very small degree, yes, um, I was deployed. I didn't do, I didn't do ninety percent of what a lot of these like bad motherfuckers that we have that we can call heroes and and hold on a fucking pedestal because they earned it. I didn't do that shit. You know, I was downrange, but I was not a bad motherfucker. Um, my PTSD stems from uh, civilian life. I lost uh, my brother in, 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 uh, in a nasty wreck. 11 months later, I lost my dad to a massive stro- uh, and sudden stroke. Uh, we lost a child just a few months after that. And then uh, a few months after that, I uh, lost my uncle, who was kind of my second dad. When I ran and away then, from home in high school, and then you know, you I lived were in his in a backyard. Horrific motorcycle accident that left you with traumatic brain injury. So, so we just all had- this happened within 36 months, and just not yeah. being able to, process. not knowing how to process it. And who can process and, that much, honestly? And, and I ended up putting myself in counseling at one point. Uh, my 35th birthday, I had a a pistol in my mouth. Um, when everybody else was passed out and, and asleep, I stayed up and I was ready to just, I didn't know what to do. What I was depressed, but I wasn't depressed. If that makes any sense. I, I, he was depressed. He was just, it just like reverted. Clinically, clinically I was depressed, but I didn't feel like what you think depression it reverted should feel like. to anger. It, yes. It, yeah. It and showed it still does. itself as anger. And even though it was depression, which he still reverts back to. So when he goes through bouts of depression, it's not laying in bed. It's not sad. It's not feeling bad about himself. It's anger and not being able to process emotion without anger, without anger being a portion of it. Even any stress turns into. So, and, and luckily I was a huge failure and, and uh, I couldn't commit suicide. Right. And so, so I'm still here. Uh, so, so thank God for being a failure. Yeah. Yay. Quitters. Woo! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, I lack mean, follow through. <laughs> like I said, I, I had some of those times as well. And, and, you know, military life is actually a very interesting one. Um, you know, maybe this, maybe this will be kind of a, a topic that will frustrate some people, but uh, there's, there's a big, per- like you look at exactly what you just said. And I don't know if my lighting is getting darker, but uh, I can like, still see you. You're still you yours. You said yours you know, didn't come from necessarily your service side. Yes. There's, a, there's a big group of military people that their PTSD shows after their military service, but they actually had a lot of trauma before they entered service. And that's probably oh, I, it's, I, compounded, I it's compounded by yeah. their military service, which made it come out. But yeah. the trauma that actually started that happened prior to their service. So, so they broke your brain. And then you just you just amplified it. <laughs> my my brain's been bad for a long time. It, it, it's a bad brain. <laughs> it's a bad brain. No, I was actually reading. Um, it wasn't an article that it's you Abby made, someone. but you you made a big post about that the other babe, day. I was actually reading babe, that. Your brain is it's Ab- Abby, Abby. Abby someone. Abby, Abby normal. normal. Yes. 
uh, but yeah, you'd actually posted that. I found that pretty intriguing that, that a lot of the, uh, uh, trauma happens before and it's like the deep seated re regressive, uh, type stuff that, that nobody even pinpoints until later on in life when they, they go through tons of therapy. Yeah. And it's, and it's not just, it's not just shown in PTSD. Like one thing I learned from my dad that was interesting. Well, I learned a lot of things from my dad was interesting. Um, but <laughs> one thing, one of them was like, there were so many people who had these different health problems that doctors could never figure out. Oh, you've got this. Oh, you've got that, but nothing would ever solve and fix it. But when he would focus on like the trauma through their life, all those other health problems would go away. Didn't matter what the doctors threw at it. Oh, you've got this illness. You got this, you know, but it's actually just the way the body is, is trying to deal with, you know, the different trauma that they have in their, in their body. The other thing that's really fascinating, and I don't, I, this is not part of the, the PTSD conversation, but it's just a fascinating thing around like what I was just saying about how your body does. This one thing my dad told me, so I have been through, oh God, a lot of surgeries in my life, a lot. Um, and he, there's a lot of research, which people don't realize there's a lot of research that when you have surgery, even though you're completely out, like you don't know what's going on, your brain remembers the trauma. The trauma, the it does. And mm -hmm. people actually are different after the surgery. You don't that realize that it's subtle changes each time. Yeah. But your brain remembers all that trauma from the surgery and you actually have changed as a person. You just don't know you did. Yeah, that that's actually true. So basically we're numbing the body, but the brain still responds to the pain to some degree and it like compartmentalizes it. And that is, that is a proven fact. So there are those that have gone through several surgeries due to cancer that have to go through therapy afterwards because they can't cope and don't know why they should be happier because the cancer's gone. Why do I feel this way? And that, and they, they found out that that's why that the more surgeries you have, yes, we can numb the pain and we can basically put you to sleep, but the brain doesn't completely shut off. So the brain is basically thinking you're being tortured. That's it's basically what it equates to. And it people don't realize. Okay, this is all news to me. Creates, like it creates deep seated trust issues. Apparently, is like what what they're finding. Isn't that crazy? Oh, <laughs> because my, it's one like of my, you're just putting me to sleep. No, you're gonna cut me open. And like well, you you want, one want of my to... biggest phobias is is anesthesia. Feeling everything and being no, the, the anesthesia itself going under. You and want me to tell you a scary surgery? Fucking yes, hate it. Please. This is a scary surgery. This really happened to me. Luckily, if if I did, if I did wake up, I'll tell you the story. Luckily, if I did wake up, they gave me enough or said that I don't remember what happened. Mm. But so I get I was having surgery. Um, I've had a lot of GI surgeries and stuff, and I get super sick on anesthesia. And so the the surgeon didn't want to give me put me out normally because they were worried I'd get sick and rip all the stitches they were doing inside. Um, and so as they didn't tell me this test until they were wheeling me down the hall, they're wheeling me down the hall and they say, Hey, by the way, we don't feel comfortable putting you out the way we normally put people out. So we're going to put this band around your head, try to watch your biofeedback waves and determine whether you're asleep or not. But we won't have no idea if you wake up. They're like, all we're going to do is just watch what's going on this band. So they're wheeling me down and they're telling me I might be awake while they're doing this oh. surgery. 
no no knock me the fuck out i don't care i literally told baby i told jd i was like if our baby gets to 10 pounds i'm fucking out <laughs> like knock me out cut me open i don't give a fuck i mean the our biggest was eight nine so that's close enough but still i was like no so i do have a question for you and this is gonna get real personal so you had leukemia is that correct i did have leukemia around five years old so do you think that the long-term effects of that is what led to your inevitable like depression and um i don't know i never sat and thought about like correlate i i do know that like i do know that i don't know if it's necessarily tied to leukemia per se but through uh and i'm going to turn up my life because it did change okay is that better? <laughs> My life started going green. I'm, I've seen your sexy face the whole time. So I've got, I've got huge lighting and it goes all kinds of colors. All, like it tries to change with the sunset. And so I'm like, everything's going green. <laughs> um, yeah, that's an interesting question. So um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I haven't really thought about it that way. I mean, I know that it, I've dealt with multiple like leukemia was just part of it. I mean, I've had um, internal bleeding that it took doctors over three weeks to stop. They couldn't stop. I actually got transferred from one hospital to another because the first one couldn't do it after two weeks. They transferred another, took them another week. I had, you know, I've had a ruptured esophagus that has a less than 50% survival rate to the surgery. My surgeon, when he did, it was only a second time he'd seen it in, oh, in over 40 years. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> like I just, I just had one thing after another, like, so when I, like, when I say that I've dealt with physical and mental, like, it's really true. Like I've been down roads that most people haven't. And yeah. I mean, I, I think, I thank God every day that he, I'm still here. Um, I feel like, you know, that that's what drove me to, to, to really want to give back is like, I feel like I have a higher purpose. Like, otherwise I, I wouldn't be here today. Well, yeah, internal bleeding. I mean, you're you're talking about exploratory surgery. Like, we don't know where it's coming from, so we're just going to open you up and we're going to look around and poke around and find out. Yes. I mean, that in and of itself has killed more people than anything is because they just cut you open to figure out where the bleeding's coming from. A lot of times they don't make it through the surgery because it's, you know, they wind up nicking something when they're in there. They can't find it. They close you back up. Then you wind up infected worse than you were before. And yeah, that that in and of itself is dangerous. Yeah, I had it was not pleasant. I had, and I'm not I'm not exaggerating. I had four to five, and it was a combination of two, four to five endoscopies and colonoscopies every day for three weeks. Oh sh no. They four went, to five a day? They went both ends. Yes. Did yes, they meet they in the middle me and like shake and hands? Me back in. Did they like did they like <laughs> high five and I will yeah, tower you? Did they shake hands? They couldn't like... stop it, so they kept reeling me back in. And and uh and finally, and and so I, anybody who's ever got a colonoscopy knows how bad, like nasty that stuff is. Did you have to drink that magnesium citrate? Oh, yeah, let me tell you that well, story. Go lightly, yes. And, yeah, it's, and it's not go lightly. No, you go violently. <laughs> so I'm, I'm internally bleeding. So if you're internally bleeding, what comes out the other end is not going to be clear. Oh, no. So I have Ain't this, doctor, smells I have this terrible. doctor who mm. made me drink gallons and gallons of this stuff. She's like, it's still not clear. I finally, I finally, this, I got super angry. I'm like, 
it's never going to be clear. I'm bleeding. I can't drink any more of this. <laughs> and so finally, she's like, well, if I drop a penny in the toilet, will you be able to tell there's a penny in there? And I said, yes. She's like, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll deal with that. Because literally, she made me drink gallons and gallons. Just keep going and going. And she's like, it's not clear yet. Keep and normally you drink what, like just a eight little, ounces little or something? Of it. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's like eight, ten ounces, something so like I, that. I, will tell you, I, couldn't, I couldn't drink lemonade for a long time after that. Uh, so I will tell you this, like GI bleeds just in general. Okay. This is going to be nasty and I'm sorry, but just from a medical standpoint, You're not sorry. one of the worst smells that people talk about is burning flesh, right? Everyone hears this burning flesh. So rotting flesh, like waterlogged bodies, Water. number one for me, absolutely 110%. Burned bodies is third. Second is GI bleed. The smell of a GI bleed makes me physically nauseous. It is very distinctive. It is not pleasant. And I can smell it from a mile away now because I've been in the medical field for 18 years. So I can smell it a mile away. And it's one of those things where they're like, I'm sorry. And I'm like, are you kidding? Like, don't apologize. Like, it is not your fault. <laughs> you know what but you every did. time, I don't, think, <laughs> I don't think I'm reacting, but because but my face gives me away every time. So I'm like, it's fine. It's, it's no big deal. I can barely smell it. But it's like, oh, man, I'm sure every time my face gives me away. But I try not to, you know, <laughs> damn it. So I want to address something real quick. Uh, Chaz, who's watching right now, uh, says that he was on submarines. And uh, sometimes he feels this is digressing back a little bit in the conversation where he uh, he feels like he didn't serve because he was never in, never in an actual war zone. Um, I know there's a lot of like bro vets that are like, oh, you're not a fucking veteran unless you did it. You know, fuck you. Fuck you, you piece of shit. Everybody that raised Pretty their right sure hand. Everyone put their life on the line. I yeah. mean, he, there's people who died if you were the guy that training. So shut the if you're on. the guy that hands out towels at the gym. You Good still you. raised your fucking right hand. Good for you. And he he and served more than I did, but I and people will disagree with me. But military families, the whole family serves. You're moving all the time. I went. I I literally went to four high schools in four years. Like oh yeah. I, I mean, I, I, you move I all it. the time. You have family members that are away. You have the whole family serves. Now that's true. Did we serve in wartime, yeah. and did I serve the same as you on a submarine? No, but but. You served more than I did, but even the family served as well. That's true. That's true. They all contributed. They all sacrificed Correct. to some degree. So I, I I, completely understand where you're coming from. Yeah, not everyone agree with me, which is fine. We can live in a world of polarization, but. <laughs> you know, my opinion is the only one that, that counts and fuck everybody else. <laughs> but I've got, I've got a surgical story. Um, it was oh, actually in no. the military. Uh, oh no, not this one. This I was bad. I was stationed in uh, at Lackland Air Force Base in San Antonio. Um, unfortunately, it, it's a shithole. Um, <laughs> yeah, but to digress. To digress. With the fact that it was fucked up. Um, but I had a real sore throat, so I went to uh to the ER because oh, in the military. The story I thought you were going to talk about. Are you can talk about the testicle story. Oh no, we'll talk about that one later. Oh okay. Cool. But uh, I went to the ER because that's they don't have like regular urgent care or, or anything like that. You just if it's after normal duty hours, you go to the ER and doctor's like, hey, you got strep throat. Gave me a shot of penicillin, some antibiotics to sent me on my way. And like two days later, um, my best friend at, at the time, actually still one of my best friends to this day, 20 some odd years later, 
um, he's carrying me into the ER because I can't breathe and my lips are starting to turn blue. And um, come to find out there was a cyst that grew in my esophagus right there in my air, like right on where Adam's apple is, but on the backside. Um, and it was closing off my airway. And the doctor comes in, he gets this little popsicle stick and sticks it on my tongue and looks <laughs> down my throat. And he's like, and I shit you not. He goes, oh, shit. There's two words you don't want to hear a fucking ER doctor say, and they are in this order. Oh, and shit. Yeah. And so he promptly leaves the room after saying nothing but oh, shit. So here I am fucking greasing my drawers. And he comes back like two or three minutes later with lubricating uh, them with shit. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I threw up from my ass in my pants. So uh, he comes back with like this whole squad of fucking nurses and, and various ancillary medical people. And he looks at me square in the eyes and says, we don't have time for anesthetic. We're going to go into surgery right now. As they're tying my arms down with gauze rolls and shit like this. I'm flipping the fuck out. And he grabs my jaw, holds it open, sticks the tongue depressor in there, goes in there with a the scalpel and goes, slices that cyst right open. And, and that little sucker straw that they have, like at the dentist office, that thing's in my mouth. And it just starts sucking all this shit out. And it was like almost instant relief as far like the, it fucking hurt. But it was like instantly I could breathe again, which was really nice. And then four days later is when I started smoking menthol cigarettes versus Marlboro Lights. That's a whole different yeah, story. I don't, I don't have anyone say that to me, but I did have... So when I ruptured, when that happened, uh, the doctor... So first, first that happened. So my esophagus ruptured in 2019. So even this is even more recent. Oh, wow, that's recent. 20, 2019. So I'm in there. And at this time, 2019... We're in this whole country thing of nobody can have opioids. We're all keeping hospitals away from opioids. So I'm sitting in there with a ruptured softness in the ER, massive pain, massive amount of pain. Now, I have a super high pain tolerance. So when I say it's massive pain, it's really bad pain. And yeah. so, and at first I didn't want to do anything about it. Like I literally drove past my hospital the ER. Like I left work. I'm like, I'm not feeling well. Left, drove. And then finally found like a little instant care. I'm like, oh, I'll just stop there. I'll be in and out. And then they made me go in an ambulance back to the ER that I passed. So then I paid like $900 to go back to the ER that I just threw it Oh, shit. But, oh. Uh, but anyway, so I'm sitting there. They won't give me any pain medicine at all. Like, sorry, you're fine. We're, like, we're not going to do anything. Finally, after some x-rays, uh, the surgeon comes running in. He's like, he, so he, he gave me pain medicine. He came running, give him pain medicine immediately. Um, but then you're, he, you told your story. He says, mine that I didn't want to hear is he literally said, this surgery is complicated. You might not make it. Oh. I didn't want to hear that. He's like, this is a very complicated surgery. You might not make it. Shit. And my, and my poor mother. So my dad died like a month and a half before that. Oh, Jesus. And then my mom was then at the hospital being told by the doctor, Hey, your son, your son has a good chance. Won't make it through the night. So, like, I feel bad for my mom. She got double whammy, like, right in a row. Oh, my God. But, uh, but yeah, that, that, was, that was not a fun time. And it, it's crazy. I was in the hospital for 10 days after the surgery because my surgeon kept saying, you're going to have some kind of complication. I'm not releasing you. You're going to have a complication. 
That was Nolan, remember? And of course, there us, were none, huh? No Nolan? complications. Fine, after 10 days, he's like, all right, I'll let you go home. They said Nolan, well, our, our youngest was in the NICU for three weeks. And at one point, they literally, he was like, he's either going to, like, these antibiotics are going to work and the sepsis is going to go away or he's going to die. And basically, we won't Make know peace. until tomorrow. So don't touch him. The next day he came in, he was worse. And he's like, go ahead and touch him. Give him kisses. Tell him goodbye. Like told us, like he literally told us to give him kisses and hold his hand because it didn't matter anymore. Like call your family, let them know. We're like, are you fucking serious? Like just right there to our faces, basically told us our baby was going to die. And he didn't. And he's seven now. So suck it. Yeah, <laughs> suck it, duck. And the second story I want to say Actually, the whole was medical like, staff was recent, really good. recently I had to have an endoscopy. I've been I ha- was having difficulty swallowing and there were concerns that I was getting. Yeah, you probably ate it, yeah they, they were like, oh, we think you're getting Barrett's disease, which is where it like breaks down your esophagus. You can get like esophageal cancer. So they want to go in with the camera and just take a look and get biopsies. The biopsies were fine. It was the fact that I did not really do well with anesthesia. <laughs> so when I came to, they were willing me to the room and there was like seven people walking with me. And I was like, what's going on? He's like, well, there you are. And I go, did I go somewhere? He goes, well, you tried. <laughs> He's like, you kind of tried to go to heaven. And I was like, what's what? It, what? <laughs> He's like, yeah, we kind of had to bag you and we almost started CPR. And I was like, what? <laughs> he said that I guess they had just given me the anesthetic and I just stopped breathing. And then my heart rate started dropping rapidly. So they basically had to reverse the anesthetic really quickly so that I'd start breathing again. And I was like, oh, shit. But I don't remember a fucking thing, which is great. But yeah, but the biopsies were fine. <laughs> they were fine. It's funny that you brought up the uh, the whole opioid thing because um, I had the exact opposite. Like, I know I have a highly addictive personality and I know to steer clear of certain things because otherwise I won't steer clear of certain things. And uh, during my motorcycle wreck or right after my motorcycle wreck, that noise, if you're listening and not watching, is Kat shaking her martini. With 22 Salute Vodka. With, with 22 Salute 20. Vodka. <laughs> vodka with a purpose <laughs> i can't even get that freaking lid off but um so number one narcotic pain meds make me sick they make me sick to my stomach and um being wheeled uh after being taken to the ambulance to the er um uh, being wheeled through countless hallways uh, i'm kind of in and out of consciousness uh severe head trend uh, head injuries other injuries but i i i've vividly remember telling the nurse don't give me any narcotic pain meds they make me nauseous are you talking about after your and she was like, yeah, yeah yeah and she's like no you're fine you're fine mm. you're just you're in shock you don't mm. know what's going on i'm like no they make me sick don't give me any narcotic pain meds and so she's like no no you'll be just fine let me do what i gotta do i'm the professional and uh they had they already had an iv in it this time and it has that little spot where you can just put a a, a needle in it and shoot well, she shot me up with some narcotics and, and I looked straight at her and, and I'm pretty sure that all of my mental wounds healed for this brief moment just so I can look at her spitefully and puke all over her because I told her at least three times not to fucking give me narcotic pain meds and I vomited all over her and it was I felt so vindicated and then I passed out. 
Well, he, pass, he well, the reason he passed out, just so everyone's clear, because this fuckhead doesn't remember, but I remember everything. It's because he had a seizure. He had a massive brain bleed because of the trauma to his left, like this whole side. frontal or not frontal lobe, but like that whole side of his head. And um, he wound up having a massive seizure. So that is about the time they had to start giving him anti-seizure medication and giving him some medication to basically keep him sedated because they, I mean, it's. But even after the, after all the surgeries and, and on my road to recovery, it was a constant battle with, with medical professionals who were trying to peddle opioids on me. And I'm, and I had to fight them every single time. I'm like, I don't want an opioid. This guy, I don't want a narcotic. This guy threatened everyone. He threatened his surgeon mid-surgery. It was hilarious. I told him if they shaved my beard, that they'd be in the uh, hospital bed next to me. Yeah. Those doctors, <laughs> but they loved him for it. That's what's so funny. They weren't even scared. They didn't even care. They but were it, like, it's just weird. Guy. Like, normally, like, if, if a patient says, I don't want an opioid, you would think the doctor would be like, all right, cool. You were I get it. Going through but, something that you're, you, they were, pretty sure your body couldn't handle yeah but still i don't want fucking opioids because i know i'm i get addicted easily and why i put myself in that position to go back to the other shit i used to do yeah i can't take i get sick <clears throat> on laura tab i can take like percocet but i can't do laura tab i have but i have a super high pain tolerance so i don't generally take anything laura tab doesn't do shit for me yeah i don't usually take anything um uh What's that? What's that one I'm thinking of that everybody, um, like fentanyl? That doesn't help me. Like I most, will. I will never do Demerol again. I'll tell you what. I had Demerol right before. Um, so I have very complicated pregnancies. Um, well, one time I was in preterm labor and I had to have emergency surgery to like sew up my cervix, keep our baby in, and um, they gave me Demerol to help with the pain and I had the most horrific nightmares on Demerol to the point where I remember them to this day and it traumatized me to the point that I have like put it on every medical record I'm allergic to Demerol I'm not allergic to Demerol I don't want Demerol ever again it is that bad so good for you if you could take Demerol, not this bitch. No, I, I don't. I, I I literally they give it to me and I don't end up using the pain <laughs> medicine. I'll tell you how high my pain tolerance is. That's him. Yeah, I'll this, I'll save him for a rainy day. This this will tell you how high it is. So when I let's see, this was probably ninety seven. I had because I graduated ninety six. So it was a little after graduation. Um, I was Man, you're fucking old. You graduated ninety seven. I. Mean, <laughs> I was in a super bad car accident and broke my femur. And, uh, and I call I call my mom and I'm like, just as calm as day, call my mom. And she's working, she's working at this home health agency with a bunch of nurses and stuff. And I call my mom and I'm like, hey mom, um, broke my femur, meet me at the hospital. Uh, but other than that, I'm okay. And other oh, and these nurses are like listening in the background, they're like, he's lying. They're like, they're like, he sounds too, he's calm. My mom's like, yeah, he's really calm. He's lying. He did not break his femur. He's, I'm like, I'm like, no, mom, I broke my femur. Like, no, they're saying you're lying because you're calm as day. Like, exactly. Oh. That's not. Dude, I had to make a, you can a actually, similar 
like phone call like that. The the amount of like bone marrow and everything that's released in your bloodstream when you break a large bone, you can you know you can actually die from that. I didn't know about that, but I know that I could have that died. and your white blood cells are actually formed in your large bones, which well, means that femur you yeah. broke in <laughs> half. It's actually diminishing your white blood cell count, which means you're not going to fight infections as easy, and you could die from that. Yeah, we're trained. So, uh, we're trained. So your body knows that that's a that is a vital part of your body. So it causes more pain when you break a large bone. So your body knows it needs to fix it faster, and you know you need to fix it faster. Just like hitting an artery versus a vein, the arteries yeah, are surrounded by nerves. Yeah, what I did that was work that I could have what I could have killed myself from that is like all the people, all my buddies and stuff that were there were like, dude, get out of the car, get out of here. So I was trying to move, but because of the bone it was actually waged against my major artery. And so oh. and so they 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 the the EMT people are like, if you'd moved it even just the slightest more, you'd have led to death. Oh there yeah, was, it would have ruptured the everybody's artery. Everybody's like, "Come on, get out of the car!" So I'm like, like pulling my leg, like trying to get out of this vehicle. Ah! <laughs> and then they're like, "They're like, dude, you could have killed yourself so fast." You're like, "It's it was literally against your artery, your major artery." Hey, on behalf of all of our of our viewers, ah, ah. <laughs> fuck! And the viewers are like, "We didn't tune in to get this medical podcast." <laughs> but ah. Oh. So I had to make a similar call to my mom in high school. It was my senior year. It, it was in 97. Um, I had skipped You're school. Cool. And uh, yeah, I really am. <laughs> Turn up. around is fair play. Shut up. Uh, so I, I like my senior days. year, I only had like three classes or four classes. I don't know why it even made sense for me to skip because I was out before lunch anyways if I did go to school. But I skipped school this one day. Oh, I married and, that. And uh I was with uh, several of my stoner buddies because that's what I like to do in high school. Again, is you know, I married that smoke weed because that was cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, but we were smoking weed and, and all of us rode dirt bikes and we, in our brilliant minds, decided to make this really cool ramp out of cinder blocks and and uh, and 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 found sh- uh, plywood. Not even new plywood, just shit we found. And are there any nails or screws? or bailing wire or anything sure. holding this together nope you know what's holding it together gravity okay <laughs> so we were finding out who could jump the farthest and who could jump the highest off this ramp and i went off after like the fifth or sixth time and it uh just collapsed the front wheel was off the ramp already the back wheel was still on it um of course i wasn't wearing a helmet because i was a fucking idiot mm-hmm. um and and i skid on my face for i don't know how long because I, I it it that was probably my third or fourth concussion of my life and uh All right. i i come to with a rag against my face and the dude trying to hand me a joint and i'm just like no no i'm all fucked up man okay and then so i'm having to call my mom to explain why my face is all fucked up and why i can't drive home and why i'm not in school so it, it's not quite the femur situation, but still you. having to make a fucked up phone call. Eric and JD, this 
is why women live longer, you dumbasses. <laughs> no, no, no. What doesn't kill me makes me stronger. I'm that a is, fucking tank at this point. That's just what we tell you to make you feel better, you dumbasses. Like, it's like telling you size doesn't matter. We're just trying to make you feel better. So when, by my, my senior year, I, was, I actually was not skipping class, and I'll tell you why. My parents, my parents were geniuses. So my freshman year, I was skipping a lot of school. And we were living in Idaho and I had grandparents that lived in Utah. And my parents are like, well, if you're not going to school, we're just going to send you to live with your grand grandparents. So I went up there and my okay. grandpa, my grandpa was a g- genius. He's like, I know how to get this kid back in school. And so my grandpa's like, Hey, I got you a job that you have to go to every day. So he take, he gets me this job and this is the worst job in the world. It didn't get me back in school. I literally, <laughs> I literally worked at a silk wrap ribbon factory winding fucking silk ribbon around spools for eight hours a day. I love this. Le- less than a month. I, I saw my, my parents like, I'm coming home. I'm going to school. <laughs> my dad was like, I'll make straight bees. I promise. Don't graduate. That's the only kind of job you'll get. I fucking love it. Genius. Oh yeah, my it- gosh. Yes. Child labor. Let's bring it back. Y'all. Fuck Hashtag- yeah. I am all about Hashtag child labor. Child labor. <laughs> Uh, it was the worst job i've had in my whole life and it was a bunch of like old ladies and i love it so it's you oh my gosh so it's you and a bunch of old ladies just spinning yarn literally i love it i love it so much so so one of our viewers brings in a, a er Oh, uh, oh Mark. Mark says, I don't have a broken bone story. Uh, been fortunate, never broken a bone in my body. You better knock on wood because uh, the day I said that, the next day is when I had my first broken oh. bone. But he called his wife from the hospital, calm his day, and told her not to panic. But I was in the ER and was having a major heart attack and had already called my buddy to go pick her up and bring her to the hospital. Got a stent put in, and doctor told me I was lucky. The artery... Um, on the right side of my heart was 99% blocked. Jesus. Right side. I'm glad you're here, Mark. Right side. That means it's going to your freaking lungs, you dumbass. Like, seriously, Mark, I love you, but... I didn't know that, but I trust her. Right goes to the heart. Left pumps that all that oxygenated blood to the body. So just uh, in case y'all didn't know, medical fact of the day, bitches. You're going to learn a lot on this show. <laughs> and that uh, I learned in my... Uh, I, I, uh, I'm first responder trained for work. I work at a steel mill and uh, they teach us all this shit, but they did teach us gone through one first responder class and think he he thinks he knows just, I've been through a lot more. Why do you think I'm fucking there? So goddamn much. But one thing they do teach us is any, uh, um, long bone break like femurs, don't fucking move the person. Wait for a trained medical professional. Cause you're going to put your artery like Eric did. You don't move. You don't move long bone breaks. (laughs) All we do. Eric, take the class. (laughs) (laughs) Cause as, as our, as, as a medical first responder there at the mill, our job is to just stabilize until, um, the real, nurse gets there. Real medical, yeah, real medical professionals. We're there to just. There. Yes, thank you. We're there to just hold it together until somebody can. Uh, On the half of the right all thing. medical professionals, just don't fucking touch them, okay? <laughs> I actually had to. Uh, I had to pull out the AED at work the other day. I was like, oh fuck, I'm getting ready to have to fucking shock somebody. Oh my God. Like that. is dying to shock someone or stab them with a the needle. Oh, before I die, these are my goals. I want to defib somebody. Just so I can say clear 
and shock the shit out of them. And and I want to give somebody an epi shot because just like the okay sharp Hi. downward. M- m- your 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 reason for living over here. Would you be mad if you knew I've done both of those? Yeah, I get fucked. Uh, okay, then I won't tell I you. I mean, she's been <laughs> in that, that field for like eighteen years. I think I think you've probably done them more. I'm, <laughs> I, I'm kind of kind of expect you you've done that shit, but the that the clear more than anything. I shocked. By this this point, I don't know how many people, but no, I've never like stabbed someone in the chest like you see in Pulp Fiction. I've never done that now, unfortunately. I have stabbed someone with an epi pin to save them from anaphylaxis. I have done that before, um, but not often. Usually, it's the nurse or the doctor doing that. But I have I've had to do it. At, I did it asthma camp once. So. And thanks to the cost of epi pins, now they they keep them in the nurse's office. So if somebody's having anaphylactic shock on the deck, it's it's a if you sprint the whole time, you're looking at eight minutes there and eight minutes back. People die. That's like that's 16 minutes. Yeah. Do y'all know what a noxic brain injury is? It's lack of oxygen to the brain. Uh, you can get that in eight minutes. So uh, that's stupid. Uh, just hi, not a nurse. Uh, that's dumb. We have come to a very, very sad time, though. Yeah, lack lack of oxygen. Ooh. This lack of vodka. Lack sad, of vodka. Sad, sad. <laughs> I, am, I am out of you vodka. You have a full one behind you, you dick. I'm like, <laughs> oh, I got cases of it. <laughs> How dare you? We have like one. Ooh, I'm so cool. I have cases of vodka. Get fucked. <laughs> we we I. Yeah, we're out. We are out of vodka. So, God you know, the problem is um, JD allowed me to take this to the beach the other day, and I really Shoot a hog wild. But it hurt. I mean, we, I, I unfortunately don't live by a beach, but we just got back from Costa Rica last week, and I've got some what beautiful the? pictures with our vodka on the beach to Costa Rica. Okay, one, where do you, where do you live? Utah. Oh, Okay, two. I've never, I've never been out of the country because this guy doesn't take me anywhere. I would love to go to Costa Rica though. Uh, and three, uh, you're more than welcome to come to Corpus Christi. Come to our beaches are not nearly as beautiful as Costa Rica or the river. But you could probably get herpes there, which is fun. Or you can step on a diabetic be- needle. One of my co-founders. There's three of us. One of them, uh, he has a Airbnb. He owns in Corpus. Well, we own a. 3,100 square foot house. Yeah, you got a place to stay. And we have a, uh, our son has a queen size bed that he has to give up anytime we say he does. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was our, it was our bedroom free. set before we upgraded. <laughs> so we're like, all right, you get this one, but there's a caveat. There's a pirate ship in Port A right down the road and uh, we can go on a pirate cruise. And Actually, that pirate fun. ship is fucking cool. It is so much fun. So they I, I need to go to Corpus. I haven't been there and I haven't been to. What's the one by Houston? Oh, Galveston. I'm in the Galveston. I've oh, yeah, never, going to the I've strand. never been to Galveston. So uh if we go to if I you haven't go to been in you won't be you've been. Right? A long time. I don't remember. I, I, I lived in Dallas. There, I, I didn't go to either of those places. Yeah. We also like to so we live on a beach. We vacation at rivers. So we actually go and float the river in uh the hill country of Texas, because that's how it works in Texas. You live by a river, you go to the beach to vacation. If you live by the beach, you go to a river to vacation. So 
we just swap ski during the yeah, summer. Yeah. So that's that's our plan is to go to the river and go float. And you're more than welcome to join us for that. That sounds that sounds fun. Because yeah. it would it, it was a pleasure having you. I'd love to meet your wife. So you said no kids. Is kids in the future? Y'all cool? Unfortunately not. No, we uh, we both have battled some health things that that kind of prevented that. But we have we have a dog. So that's that's our kid. What so kind of you dog? have kids then? Yeah. It, it's a uh, it's a golden retriever. So all right, at least it's not some piece of shit little. No, tiny every dog thing. we've ever owned is that we usually get labs, um, and then our lab passed away less than a year ago with meningitis. I didn't even know dogs got meningitis. I said what? We, didn't we, know left that either. A, we left it at a boarding facility when we were doing a twenty-two salute event out of state came back to our dog getting meningitis while it was at that boarding facility and it passed wow. away like we came home and just started having mass seizures and passed away and then we're like oh man we're not getting another dog because it's so like it's so hard on us wow. and then this, this we found this dog that we weren't even trying to get a dog where this dog our dog is trained as a service dog like they spent thousands thousands to get it freshly trained but the poor girl like that that had the dog she was in nursing school working at a hospital and the dog just sat in a kennel the whole time so yeah she, so she's like she's like i just need someone to take this dog i know i put a lot of money into it and everything and i'm like um, i'm like i wasn't gonna get a dog but we'll take it if and anyone's watching who wants a dog we found a puppy in the parking lot we brought it home it's a border collie they need a lot of attention jd and i work a lot and our kids are in school like it is not optimal for this poor dog he is so sweet and we feel so bad but we just don't have the attention for him so if anyone's watching same thing like we have a german shepherd and she's she lost her sister we lost our we we had two german shepherds we've had them for 10 years we lost one recently which was devastating for us so we have another german shepherd and she's perfect and she's fine because she literally sleeps all day but this border collie needs attention and we don't have it. And um, we don't. And we feel so bad for this little guy because we're like, dude, it's either him in a kennel all day or we have to get, like close him off to the backyard all day. And we feel so bad. We feel like we're neglecting him. And it's such a sad point. Oh, wow. You're going to play me off when I'm talking about something so sad. Yeah. Well, it is so that. Sad. If anyone wants a border collie, tell me. Oh, my God. <laughs> First time to play me off. You were the one that kind of had me point at it. So was... like that, man, I feel bad. Okay, depressing point. There's a dog we can't take care of. So, um, Eric, thank, thank you, thank you so much for coming. Thank you for the vodka. We're definitely ordering some more. It's going to be this at twenty two salute.com um, If I can trick it with just a little bit of olive juice, this shit's good. And that mm-hmm. bottle. You don't want to throw it. Look at it's empty, but look how beautiful that thing it is. It's so pretty. Well, we're gonna put Actually, it up on the shelf. It's gonna go right here. Shelf. It's gonna stay up here. The, the the shelf of honor, the shelf of honor. That's what it is. So real fast before you cut it off, that we talked about really at the beginning about a lot about mental health and PTSD. Yeah, but I, yes. the iceberg. I challenge you to find another brand who's taking that retail shelves, liquor stores, bars. Who's bringing that conversation to the general public? Mental health suicide prevention. Oh, talk about it. We're taking it full on to the public and bringing that awareness everywhere. That's valid. I don't think we can find well, another. I don't think we've covered everything we need to cover with you. Um, I would like to. Actually, 
actually formally invite you to come uh, back for another episode. Yeah, you, didn't even, you didn't even hear my embarrassing story. Oh yeah. my God. Oh, we got to get to that. This guy steals tip jars and we didn't even talk about it. Jesus. Stupid, serious shit getting he in. fucking steals tip jars like randomly. Oh, on like... purpose. <laughs> so, so yeah, I want to formally invite you back just so I can hear that story because Kat wouldn't let me read read the uh, the backstory. Oh, on that. Did, we did totally got pretty on fast. PTSD and it just ran. Which we are gonna have you back. Um, there's a Dallas poor who wants to um, have a honest conversation about PTSD. So I'd love to have you back, Eric. And when we do, I'm gonna put in the notes that we have to hear about your your stealing from the honest American service workers and stealing their tip jars. So we gotta hear about this and maybe even have you back individually. Absolutely. <laughs> but with that, we do have to call it a night. Um, thank you very much, Eric, for coming. Uh, make sure you go thank to 22salute.com. Uh, so check out the coffee, check out the vodka, check out the mission. It's great, great, great shit. As always, thank you to all of our sponsors. Uh, make sure you check out all of our old episodes on YouTube and any of your favorite podcasting platforms. Don't forget to like, share, and uh, tickle that uh, subscribe button's little taint there. Finger just like, blast. <laughs> <laughs> Give it that old turkey curtain smack. I don't turkey curtain smack. <laughs> I don't know. What the fuck is know. that? Terrible, terrible, oh, terrible. So That's what you but, get uh, after three martinis. As a turkey curtain As smack. always, if you plan on going out to drink or if you are out drinking, make sure that you find a silver ride home. Please, uh, stay where you're, you're at. you're going to go home with that uh, girl Uber. you're sitting next to. Yeah. You yeah, don't want to yeah. go home with her. So uh, we'll see you here uh, next week at the same beer time, same beer channel. Love you all. Same you drunk have a great time, night. same drunk channel. Thank you so much. All right. Bye.